0: The scripture reading this morning is taken from Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, be afraid, for rulers do not obey the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This morning, we are very glad to have Pastor Wong Li Ying to preach to us, engaging civil authorities.
1: Well, let's pray together. Eternal Father, who has spoken in various times and in various ways to your people in the past, but in these days, in your Son, through the incarnate Word, we pray that you will open the mouth of your servant to proclaim the Word in the power of the Spirit. We pray the same Spirit will open the hearts of its hearers, here assembled, to receive your holy gospel and write on their hearts your holy law, even as you have promised. And for this we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you are familiar with the uh, church history and the Protestant Reformers believe that the civil authorities cannot assume themselves the administrations of the Word and the sacraments. And these are essential duties of the church, preaching of the Word, conducting the Holy Communion. Now, even in the Israel they fail credit nations. There is a distinction between a king and a priest. And we all know the story of the Old Testament and some famous kings in Israel or Judah, King Hezekiah, Josiah, and David. But among those kings, the greatest king in the Old Testament was Uziah. Um, And during his reign for more than 50 years, he brought about the reformations in his nations. He was a godly king. But later in his life, he committed a fatal mistake. Now what exactly did Uzziah do? He went into the temple and assumed for himself the to administer the sacrifices. Which, in other words, he, under the authority of the crown, he observed the role of the priest. And for that, God struck him with leprosy and left him to die in shame. So we see that the confusion of the roles of the saint and the priest and the church dates back to the ancient Israel the king took on himself the authority to control the matters of the church. So in order to understand the biblical separations between these two institutions, which is the church and the government, think about Paul's statements in Romans 13. And Paul says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now, with that strong statement, Paul instructs Christians that we all, have the, we all have the obligations to submit to be subject to the government. That is our call and that is our missions. And he then goes on to say that And therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Now, when we look through this Bible verses, there seem to be a certain degree of idealism right here. Now Paul was not unaware of the corruptions of the earthly government. Maybe they maybe conduct some injustice in their own evil ways. But in any case, apart from setting out the mission and the call as Christians, he also tells us that government was to be, is to be an instrument in the hands of God to promote justice, righteousness, which, in other words, government ought to protect the citizen's life. He is to protect us. He is to embrace life. Because God never gave the government the right to do wrong, to do evil. And government do not exercise their own authority autonomously and becomes the law themselves. Because God is righteous, then the institutions and the agency He established ought to conduct the righteous, and the justice way. So the the point Paul makes here is that if you are doing good, you should not be afraid of the government. But if you are doing something bad, selling drugs and doing something evil things, you should be afraid of the government because the sword has been given to the government and they will punish the wicked. Now, that of course, if we think about that statement, that presupposes that the government is functioning in a just and righteous way. Yet we all know that not all governments are righteous. Some people on the high authority embrace and conduct the evil ways, doing the unjust way. And I once heard one of my brothers. Um, his personal testimony, his cause has all met the requirements of the standards of JPJ. But one day when he went up, he was stopped by the officials and was threatened to be back to the police stations for some uh, matters. So if we are doing um, what is in line with the law and the standards today, and if those authorities still oppress the people he will one day stand before the judgment throne of God for his deeds. And throughout the history, there, has been, there have been many countries have oppressed the innocent citizens and made them suffer. One of the greatest examples was the, the great World War II, the German invasions into Poland and the neighboring countries. The German was given the sword the authority of the sword to protect his citizens, but German misuse the sword. They invade Poland, and we can say that they bully the neighboring country. Now, God gave the sword to the government to uphold justice and to protect the innocent and the weak people in the nations, not to bully. On the contrary, The sword was not given to the church. The church was not given the sword as a means to proclaim the gospel. The church was not given the sword to speak on the stage by using the guns and sword to proclaim the gospel, no. But rather by the means of preaching according to the word of God in the likeness of Christ. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, The article 23.3 clearly states that the civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administrations of the word and sacraments, or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, or in the least, interfere in matters of faith. Now, that prohibition on the government tells us that certain rights and authority are placed in church alone, not in the government. And such rights and authority are called the, king, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus gave the key to the church, not to the state. God gave the sword to the state, not to the church. Therefore, any questions of discipline concerning faith and the church discipline is not a matter of the state. In the article of 11 in the Malaysian constitution provides that everyone has the right to profess and practice his, his or her own faith. In that sense, it protects the rights of the church to exercise their own church discipline, freely without interference from the government. However, when the government crosses the line, and assumes the power and authority given by Christ to the church alone, the the government not only defies the constitutions, on the other hand, it also defies the holiness and the justness, the righteous God. So both the church and the government are established by God. Though the difference in Christians' still have the obligations to obey and be subject into the government. That's the first principle. Now, when Paul says all men should obey the authorities of the government, he was writing for those Roman Christians who were suffering under the oppressions of the Roman government. In any case, although they are so bad, so evil, the Christians still ought to obey them. That's the principle. And the Westminster Confession of Faith says that it is the duty of people to pray for magistrates, to honor their persons, to pay them tribute or other dues, to obey their lawful commands, and to be subject to their authority for conscience' sake. Infidelity or difference in religions does not make void the magistrates' just and legal authority nor free the people from their due obedience to them. Now that means if the state is irreligious and differs from us in terms of our religious convictions and beliefs, we as Christians still have the obligations to obey the government. We continue to honor them. We continue to pray for them regularly, to pay taxes. And that is our calling even though we might disagree in certain um, dis- decisions. So the first principle, therefore, is that Christians are to demonstrate an attitude of obedience to government. And Christians were called to be a model citizens. And that was what the first, first and second century Christian apologists um, defended against when they were oppressed by the Roman government. The first century, martyr Justin defended himself, and the other Christians say that the Christians are the most faithful and loyal Christians citizens in this to the emperor. And also, I think if you are all familiar with the story, the Christmas story in Luke chapter two about Joseph and Mary. At that time, Caesar Augustus. Um, issued a decree that all people had to be back to their own country, the place of birth, to, re- to re-register, to make a census. He ordered everyone to return to the city so that a census could be taken. And I'm sure that that would be a lot of difficulties. There'll be a lot of tough times. There's no plane, no car at that time. Possibly you need to walk a long way back to your place of birth. Now, suppose the same thing happens in Sarawak. If our government, um, from when we were born, our IC, our registrations was never done properly, then suddenly one day the government instructs us to be back to our own hometown, and we might um, encounter a lot of difficulties. For example, the um, expensive air tickets, Maybe some few etiquette and etc. So it is in this case, because of this order, Joseph and Mary they had to travel a long way back to Bethlehem just to fulfill the requirements and the meets the standards of Caesar Augustus. Now Joseph could have complained that his wife is nine has nine months is nine months old and there's a baby in the womb. He could have said that I have a good reasons for not attending the census to be back to to my hometown. Or he could just um, ignore the law from Caesar Augustus. But he did not do that. He risked their lives to obey the law, even though the law from Caesar Augustus caused so much difficulties. Now, with that in mind, however, we still have to look at one issue. Even when the Bible says that we ought to obey the government because that is our call as Christians, it's easy for all of us to conclude that we must obey every law, every decisions from the government. Now, can the churches, can Christians protest against the decisions from the government? When Christians, theologians encounter this kind of questions, there's a lot of controversies happening around them. It's a very complex issue. So does that mean that every one of us Christians and non-Christians, every one of us must always obey the decisions and the command from the government. Absolutely not. There are times when Christians are free to disobey the government. And there are times when Christians must obey the government, must disobey the government. Now, I want to take you um, to the story of Peter and John. If you have your Bible along with you, let us all turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And let us all read this Bible verse together. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that an audible sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further amount of people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Now, by the power of God and Christ, we all know that Peter and John, they healed a crippled man. And suppose we thought that the Jewish leader, leaders, they should respond in this way. Well, there's a miracle in front of us. And it's performed by the power of Christ. It's a miracle from God, a revelation from God, and we ought to obey to the teachings of the apostles. That should be the response. But on the other hand, on con- con- conversely, they know what's the meaning behind this miracle. If they affirm. The teachings of the Apostle Paul. In effect, they had to accept the resurrections of Christ. They instead they say that we cannot deny them, but we can slow them down. We can slow their growth. So let us all use our power to stop them, to warn them severely from teaching. The word of Christ, the gospel of Christ. Now let us pause here for a second and think about and reflect what's happening right here. The Jewish leader commanded Peter and John to never, to, never to speak and proclaim the gospel of Christ, the teachings of Christ. If, in light of that, Peter and John obey the command from the Jewish leaders, would you be able to read your Bible right now? Would you be able to sit down, sit here in FMC Church to worship God freely without hindrance? And we could have said that Christianity might be stopped in that time. So that is the case. Peter and John were warned severely to stop from preaching the Word of God. Now in response of that, let us look at the response of Peter and John. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard when there is a direct conflict between the law of God and the rule of man, who are you going to obey? What are you going to do in that situation? And sometimes the government requires Christians to do what God forbids and forbids Christians to obey the law of God. Now here, I'm going to give you a second simple um, principle. If anyone, the government, the administrators, the teachers, pastors, your parents, the siblings, commands you to do something God forbids, or prevents you to do to obey the law of God, Not only you can disobey, but you must disobey. If such a choice is really at stake, your conscience must be captive by the Word of God. Now, you can remember this kind of principle right now and easily, but it's very complicated. It's complex. We need to realize that as a sinful person, we tend to distort the truth here and there. Now, before we think we should disobey the authorities, let us all reflect and think about why we need to disobey. What is the reason to disobey for disobedience? What is His value and what is my value? What is the differences between each one of us? If my boss tells me to burn the account so that he can avoid the charges of corruptions, I must deny that. If my friend tells me to tell a lie, that's not right. If bribery is found in the construction industry, I have to find a way to avoid that. If the government stops us to distribute the Bible and to preach the Word of God, Not only we must disobey, but we must continue to preach the Word of God. Because that is the mandate given by Christ that made all nations His disciples. So in fact, we all know that we shouldn't do it. But have we ever thought that, what can I do about the certain corrupt systems since I am in the system? Christians often like to say that we need to be the salt and the light. But are we? Do we compromise with these corrupt systems? Or are we really a salt and light? Now, we often say that it's easier said than done. Saying something is easy, but doing something, it's very difficult. We get to know them, But let us think about that. Does the one who say this, who claim this statement, also making a compromise to the corruptions, to the corrupt systems? And he has no intentions to be conformed to the word of God. So the church has to speak out when the government fails to comply with the God-given missions. For example, with regard to some unjust taxation systems and abortion system. When the church protests against the state, people are confused why the church has to enforce their agenda to the government, to the state. Mind your own business, church. However, it's important to realize that the main purpose of the government, the establishment of the government, is to protect life, not to exploit life. When the church makes a declaration of the truth to the government, the church is not asking the government to be the church. The church is reminding the government that What is your core missions? That as a government, it is to work in accordance with the deity of God. So because of the complexity of the problem of civil disobedience, it's better and it's important for all of us to grasp the basic principles of the relationship between the church and the state. And number one, It is our obligations to submit to the government because their rights was given by God. That is our principle of obedience. But when the government commands us to do what God forbids and forbids us to do what God wants us to do, we ought to submit to God alone. So God has established two spheres on the earth, the church and the state. Each of its own spheres has its own right. None of them can violate the rights of the other. And ultimately, the government and the church exist to worship God. The former indirectly and the later directly the work of the government is prerequisite of the church to carry out its mission on the earth and just like reading is prerequisite for reading the bible the common grace paved the way for special grace the work of the government therefore provides an important platform everyone needs the protections from the government not just christians needs a religious freedom, but everyone in this nation needs a protection from the government. And to be sure, there are many biblical records of the government protecting God's people. And for example, Abimelech, and the Pharaoh in the time of Joseph, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Cyrus, and Festus, the Roman governor. However, there are also some tyrannical governments that try to defile God's people. With that in mind, Christians should not put our whole hope to the government. But on the other hand, Christians should not give up on government. Because the church needs a good government. They enable the church to serve God and his people in peace. Until certain times, the church need to be prepared to be opposed. But in any case, Christians should exercise political influence whether the opportunity arises. Now things will get worse. The situation may one day turns out to be bad. Look at the country in the Middle East, in China, and you will know that when there is the end of religious freedom. So what can we do as Christians? Perhaps I will close this question um, in this way. Close this sermon with these questions. Who should Christians vote for in the next elections? Christians must all vote and see clearly that the candidates, the political parties know exactly what is their duty in their positions. To promote righteous, just peace, order, and prosperity. And to enable Christians to worship God without any hindrance. We don't want we don't want a government government that thinks that they can bring the salvation we don't want a government that they thought that they could act as a messiah in themselves but a government that thinks about his people the benefits of his people and know what is their own missions and know and know how to discern right and wrong For many people, our country has become a place inside a wall. We're stuck inside the wall. Most of those who left the country because of the sexual orientations, religious belief, oppressions in the systems, and in search of a better employment to the other countries, all of them have left. Our politicians, so-called politicians, is a culture destroyer. People live in a society where they are forced to submit to the authority of tyrants in order to ensure the the political correctness of a party or even the politics at the central. Those who agree, you're my friends. Those who do not agree, you are the misfits. And over time that has created a politics of race. Through the fabrications of stories to incite and manipulate people, the narrative of race, the race of politics become the necessity in elections to ensure and won a victory in election. What we have seen over the last few years is a betrayal of trust and treasury in the politics sphere. We don't see, we barely see justice, love, mercy. All we see is treasury and betrayal. The biggest scam of all has been used was and is the word of reform, reformacy. But too often it reverts back to the old racism. What we want is a government who knows its mission, to discern what is right and wrong. It builds a road well so that people can drive without fear, so that Christians can drive to the church. It adopts a fair loan so that people can own their own property. It wisely upgrades the educational systems, not just universally, but every generation, every race can have a thought of logical thinkings. It treats all races equally so that all different races can come to the church without hindrance. To protect the marriage family so that Christians can set an example of God in the society. Now, you may not be able to agree that the government is involved in these areas but I hope that you can grasp the concept that a government can exercise good judgment. Establish justice, peace, order, so that the church can run and do what God has called the church to do. We need a good and just, righteous government. Let us all pray together. And Fatherly, graciously grant that your word, which we have heard, may be inscribed inwardly in our ears and hearts. Cause us to bear the fruits of the Spirit and to live in holiness and to know what is our missions, to be the salt and light. Use us, Father, as a Christian's. When we goes on and live in this society, empowers us and give us wisdom. We pray in the name and favor of your well-beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen.